Hello and welcome to PMI's Uncommon Sense podcast, tools to improve your work forever. I'm Susanna Clark, Managing Partner with PMI, the Performance Improvement Consulting and Training Firm. Our Uncommon Sense podcast is a 15-minute conversation with our expert consultants. They talk a lot of common sense, although much of it is not common practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. We want you to be inspired to improve your business through learning more about the tools which can help you succeed and grow. I'm joined in the studio by Sean Buckland. So today we are talking about separating the wheat from the chaff or moves median tests and ANOVA. Can I ask you, Sean, why you've chosen this? Yeah, sure thing. It's very simple because I can't imagine doing a project without them. There are a few tools that I absolutely rely on to help me to understand where to focus on. In another podcast, we talked about the Pareto analysis, but sometimes I need to go into the next level of detail beyond that. And I need to know where to focus. And I need to understand what's happening in a process or a system in more detail. And sometimes I need to put a little bit of hard statistic behind things. An eyeball sometimes isn't enough. Okay. Can you describe the tool in more detail for us? Yeah, sure. So in, in very simple, I hope very simple terms, <laughs> Anova and the Moods Median both are doing the same thing, but the one that you would choose depends on the type of data you've got. So the first thing first, what is it actually doing? It's telling you, is there a statistical difference between three or more groups? There are other tools for two or more groups, but like I say, most of the time, world being complex, three or more is the relevant. So if I think, for example, that the performance of my team and the amount of work they get done is the same throughout the week, that's my, what we call in the lingo, the null hypothesis. And then I can look at production on Mondays over time, production on Tuesdays over time, Wednesdays over time, Thursdays over time, Fridays over time. And what it might turn out is that I see high levels of productivity on a Monday, different to Monday, but civil, similar levels of productivity on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then Friday, I see a big drop off in productivity. How would I know that? How would I test that? And that's what this tool will do. It will give you a matter of fact answer. Are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday doing the same thing? Or have I actually got different processes? I've got my Monday process, my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday combined process, and my Friday process. I pick on that one because the answer is almost always, yes, Monday is different to Friday, <laughs> but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is somewhere in between. And then when you, know, when you see that and you know that, you go, ah, okay. So is that a good thing? Is that an appropriate thing? And if it's a good thing, fine, no issues. But you probably wouldn't be doing the test if it was. <laughs> probably not so good. So if it's not a good thing, we can now ask some important questions. Mm. What do we need to do to take the pressure off Mondays? What do we need to do to make Fridays more useful? Or if actually the answer is there's just less work to do, how do we make sure we're cashing that in and not just spinning the day out and turning it into other useful time? So finishing the work on Friday, even if the answer is you send everybody home early, which of course would be 
a great thing to do <laughs> if you can. So, so that's a, that's an example of why we might use it. And 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 you can see now if we were looking at productivity over the whole week in a traditional control chart, all with most of the variation in the chart would just be depending on the cause of the variation would be depends on which day. Mm. Well, we've got no information then because it's masking the actual variation. What we're interested in is how much work do we need to do for that Monday period and have a plot for that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday plot for that, Friday plot for that. Then we can manage our capacity and resource properly. Yeah. So that, that's what it's doing. Just specifically difference in ANOVA and Moods Media. ANOVA is where you have normally distributed data, variables data, and that allows you to do the more powerful ANOVA test. The Moods Median is a very, very versatile test because it doesn't require normally distributed data. In other words, if your process is not stable, then the moods median becomes much more useful. Or if you're working with ordinal data, where it's not variables, but it's sort of count data or something like that, or in some way the data is not of that type. So the, the moods median is a little bit cruder at all, but it can handle a lot more types of data. So I typically, if I don't think I've got normally distributed data, I've looked at the control charts, it looks like it's unstable, you know, bang, off I go. Obviously, there's slight circularity in my arguments there. And like all of these good Greenbelt projects, iteration may be required. But anyway, the key point being is the difference between them is the type of data you put into it. If in doubt, use the moods medium because it can handle more situations than the ANOVA can. What the downside of that is, it's less likely to find a difference if there is one. So that's all I want to say on the statistical side of it, if that's okay. Otherwise, we're yeah, getting into some horrible levels of detail that I don't think I'm qualified to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I wondered if there are other scenarios that you'd come across where you found this particularly useful. Well, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so, so let's just talk about setting up the data in a project, first of all. When I'm collecting data, I might have a set of theories about what it is I'm looking to do. It might be cycle time to get a process done. It might be lead time on an end-to-end -end process. It might be number of defects in a particular bit in the process. All of these things, very typical data we collect for a project. But when I'm collecting it, one of the things I do with my team is I sit down and I get them to brainstorm do a preview, if you like, of what are the primary expected source of variation, just using their expected knowledge. And from that, they might say, well, it depends which shift it is, or it depends if it's the, the X factor machine or the Y factor machine, or it depends if it's this type of, of request or that type of request. And I'm collecting this information, I'm tagging it against the, the data I've got. And what that allows me to do then is put into, we use Minitab because it's a, it's a standardly usable tool with a designer, you know, the Six Sigma community has definitely adopted it very well. Other packages are available, but that's the one I'm familiar with. So that's what I'll talk about. So I, I put the data into my Minitab and I can then say, tell me, is there a difference between, you know, the lead time to produce a product X versus Y versus Z? that would be an ANOVA or a moods median, depending on if the process looks stable or not, or is stable or not. So in that situation, if I find out that product X takes longer than Y and Z, but Y and Z take about the same time, I'm thinking straight away, product X is having to follow a different process. It needs to be on its own control chart, 
We can then plot the separate control charts, the product X chart, the Y, Z chart. And then I could say, right, which of these is my bigger problem to focus on? And actually it turns out that product X is more likely to be late and it's much more variable. I can straight away ignore Y and Z for now and say, we need to do our target our improvement on just the product X line. Yeah. So with that simple analysis, focus down. Is it equally useful or equally applicable whether you're in the service compared to a production environment? Well, the only thing I can guess at is yes. I don't know about equally, but because I mostly work in service processes, it's absolutely invaluable because the quality of data that's available can be quite ropey. (laughs) (laughs) And therefore, very often you're having to work with only partial data sets. So they might collect all the information you need and then you print it on the control chart and you go, that's at least four different processes. So here's an example of, of one that I did a little while ago. I had a situation where we were getting huge delays in being able to agree the pricing for scaffolding jobs. So my client was delayed sometimes up to six months in doing a repair job because of the effort it would, would take to agree a scaffolding contract. So the only data I had available was what the job was quoting for and the price of the quote. So I plotted that data into the system and I could see that over time, the process overall was stable. So the prices weren't going up or down and particularly, but the inherent variation meant the price of the job went anything from about 50 pounds up to about 36,000 pounds. That is not a useful control chart. No. So I looked at the histogram and I saw there were in fact seven different modes. What I was then able to do is ask myself the question, right? What are the different types of jobs? So I could go back in and look to the middle point of each of those modes and, and did some qualitative analysis. What's the nature of the job? And we found out, for example, the low cost jobs were just single, single story scaffolding with easy access that didn't require the tenant to be in, for example. Mm -hmm. And obviously the big 36,000 pound ones were very, very complex, really sophisticated, required planning permission. So that huge variety, and what I was then able to do is plot to go through the historical data, put it into the system, run a moods median and just run it like that. Cause I didn't know that the process didn't know that data was hundred percent reliable. So I just kept the cruder tool, the moods median tool. And then I said, is there a significant difference between my theoretical cases, single story, easy access, double story, easy access single story requiring complex access and so on and so forth, all of the different categories. And if there was a significant difference between them, which is what the statistics told me it could do, we were then able to lock that tight as a definite decision of that is now a scaffolding job. We could then find the median price for that job, stick it on there. No more need to go out to contract. Dear suppliers, we need one of these set up tomorrow at this price. No more tendering at all. The only jobs we tended were the less than 1% really complex bespoke designs. Interesting. Yeah. Any tips that you think it would be useful for people to be aware of? Yeah. So, so first things first, always keep your brain switched on with hypothesis testing. You always have to make sure you, you know, the question you're asking, this applies to everything, not just this one. So just because you find a statistical difference, it doesn't mean that you've done all the thinking you need to do. 
you've then got to go and do the root cause analysis to find out why. So if job type A is more expensive than job type B, does that make rational sense? Okay. If Mondays are busier than Tuesdays, does that make rational sense? What's the explanation for that? Because all this is doing is just taking you nearer to the right questions, but it doesn't ever give you the answers. So just because Monday is different to Tuesdays, single story is different to double story. The question is, is that right? Is that how we want it to be? Yeah. Mm. So very often people can get stuck at this point and go, hmm, I've got a difference, but that means I can't do anything. No, it's just simply you're closer to asking the right root cause analysis questions. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is when you're collecting your data, it's the one I've already given it. Make sure you think in advance what questions you like to ask of it. Because there's nothing more annoying than you spend two weeks of sampling and you get the data together and you go, hmm, I wonder if actually there's a difference between the shift, the A shift, the B shift, and the C shift. Yes. Ah, we forgot to collect that. Yes. yes. And then we can't run the test without collecting brand new data because mm. too late. Mm. So that's, that's the next one. And the third thing is, and this is a fairly obvious thing. Again, it applies to a lot of these black belt tools. Most people do not know a statistic when they see it. It's not the language we typically use. So therefore, once you've found the results, use something like an interval plot or a box plot, easily done on Excel, to once you've found the results, present the results with a graph. Yes. Because the people don't care about the statistic, but if they could look and see, there's the Monday picture, there's the Tuesday picture, it becomes obvious. Yeah. Okay. And if you don't want to do the statistics at all, then with this not being a hundred percent certain, but you could actually go along the way by just going straight to these graphs. And if you could see that there's no overlap, there's going to be a statistical difference almost certainly. And if there's a large overlap, there isn't. So what would I do if I didn't do the statistics? I'd be making heavy use of box plots. Okay. Because that's the graphical representation of what we're talking about. Super. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you very much for bringing in Moose Medial and Amiva Tess to our On Common Sense podcast today. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed your examples. I thought they were really helpful. So thank you everyone for joining us today and look forward to hearing and speaking to you soon. Please do get in touch. If you've got any further questions, happy to direct them towards Sean. <laughs> and obviously you can find all of this information on our Knowledge Hub at pmi.co.uk. Thank you very much for joining us and thank you, Sean. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find more episodes of our Uncommon Sense Tools to Improve Your Work Forever in our Knowledge Hub on our website or, of course, your favourite podcast platform. And do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode where you'll find links to more content on this topic, which includes webinar recordings, toolbox guides, blogs and infographics and our training page. You can always drop us a line on team at pmi.co.uk and arrange a time to have a call to talk about how these tools can help you in your organisation. We'd really love to hear from you.